following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Colossians entitled, Jesus Over Everything. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit scmoline.com. Hey, good morning and welcome to the virtual edition of Sacred City Church Moline. Let me start off by offering you our pastoral welcome to those who are weary and long for rest, to the mo- those who mourn and desire comfort, to those who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to the skeptic who's searching for truth, to the one who is lonely and looking for the place to belong, to those who sin and need a savior, to those who hunger and thirst for all things to be made right in this world, and to whoever else will come and open up this video feed, Sacred City Church opens her arms and offers her welcome in the name of our glorious and living Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it is with that I am delighted to welcome you this morning. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor at Sacred City Moline. Uh, We are so glad that you're joining us through the interwebs this morning. Um, Obviously, this isn't our ideal setup. Ideally, you would be here in the pews, I'd see your faces, I'd be having this correspondence with you as I preach this morning, but given what's going on with the coronavirus and some of the guidelines and limitations that are placed upon us, this is the best that it gets right now. And so I'm entrusting that the Lord will use this uh, this morning um, for our edification, for the growth of the church. I realize that there are some people who are watching this that maybe not be part of Sacred City Church yet, um, and, and you might be in this season of social distancing where you're looking for a way to connect, and so we have made an option available for you to get connected. All you need to do is follow the link below, um, or you can go to sacredcitychurch.com slash virtual dash connection, and you will find a form, uh, punch in your email address, a contact information, and we will get you in contact with some of our missional communities um, so that you have some people to navigate this new, unfamiliar time uh, in life with other people, and that can can serve as some encouragement to you. Um, Also, in the video description, you'll be able to find a worship guide with liturgy, um, with some songs that we've selected that that you could use as, as some time for family worship, um, in addition to that, there, there is a kids activity page uh, that as you're trying to situate your kids in front of the TV, and I know this is hard because I got three kids that are five and under, and so it's kind of a circus when we sat down last week to watch this, but if you want to keep them busy, there's a kids activity page, and on top of that, we've provided the, the Sacred City Kids uh, curriculum, made that available to you that you can download that and utilize that later on in the week for family discipleship moments, uh, family worship, and also the activity pages with that. So with that, let's get settle, settled in. Uh, make yourself cozy. Block out the distractions. Put your phone on silent. Get your Bible out. And really, let's just let's make the most of this time by focusing in on what's before us. Um, and so I will give you my attention. I hope that you can give me yours. And, uh, and let's just expect that God's going to meet us here this morning in this really bizarre sort of setup. So um, here we go. Hear the word of the Lord. From Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord. Say it with me. Thanks be to God. Let me pray and we'll get into our 
sermon today. Father, we thank you for your word that meets us right where we're at. We're sitting on, uh, on our couches, we're sitting at home looking through the screens, and we just expect, God, that you would meet us this morning, that you would say something to us, that you'd, you'd speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would use me uh, as an instrument, that you would speak through me, that you would think through my mind, that you would give me precision of speech this morning, that you would fill my heart with affections for you and, and demonstrate your affections for the church. I pray, God, that you would be glorified in this time uh, and that this would be beneficial for us all. And we pray this for our good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, at the beginning of the year, I ha- have started by setting out um, several different goals that I-, I wanted to shoot for for myself. So it, it kind of goes across a spectrum of uh, parenting goals, marriage goals, um, things that I would like to accomplish um, in my social life, uh, with, with financially, all kinds of types of goals. And, and one of the goals that always comes up is a fitness goal. I, I want to do something. I want to do some, a new feat. I want to accomplish something with my body. Last year, uh, I had a goal to run the Bix, and I, I, I did it. It wasn't pretty, but I did it. Um, and, and this year, after doing CrossFit for seven or eight years, I, I decided, man, I want to see some some major results. I wanted to grow um, each one of my personal best lifts by 10 or 15%. So I set out a bunch of goals um, that, I, that I was shooting for in 2020. And as this year has been underway, there have, have been all kinds of setbacks. Like, uh, for example, I started out 2020 recovering from mono, which basically left me completely debilitated. I had no energy. I had I lost a lot of muscle mass. I had all kinds of weird stuff going on where it just was really hard to work out. And so at one point, I I got back to the gym after recovering, and it's like I I did three minutes of working out, and I had to stop. Uh, And so starting out the year in that way isn't very promising. On top of that, we've got this uh, coronavirus thing going on where now it's hard to actually get to the gym. Um, You can do online stuff, and and I can do stuff in my garage, but, you know, it's just not the same as having the accountability of being there in the flesh and and working out with other people. And on top of that, somehow I found an unopened bag of Halloween candy uh, that is, for some reason, I just can't throw away. And so there's all kinds of setbacks that that I've been facing so far in 2020 as I'm setting out for this goal. And, And honestly, when I evaluate it, it seems like I've backtracked quite a bit. Um, I've lost strength, I've lost my stamina, and uh, I, I've gotten soft and squishy, or I, may, maybe a better way would say is I've gotten softer and squishier. Um, and so I, I, it doesn't seem like I'm moving toward my goal. And, and if you're a goal setter, you probably know how irritating and frustrating it is to set a goal out in front of you and not get any closer, let alone to move the opposite direction, right? It, it's very frustrating. But, but the same thing can happen to us within our discipleship, within our walk with Jesus, that, that there's a goal out in front of us, and this isn't a goal that we have to create for ourselves. We don't have to go think of something ingenious about here's what I want. In fact, Paul lays it out. He did it earlier in Colossians where he told us the goal, his aim is to present the church mature in Christ. And so there's the goal that's laid out in front of us. It's, it's Christian maturity. And so as we're going through life, it seems that sometimes maybe we, we take a step back. We're not really growing in Christ, maybe moving backward. And so I, I just want to clarify, like as we're talking about Christian maturity, this isn't something that's like stuffy, like some super hyper-religious goal that we have in front of us. 
You know, it's not like Sunday school where there's a felt board or, or a sticker chart and we're trying to earn our stickers and, and once you fill up the sticker bars, you've accomplished something. The, the type of maturity, the type of, of, of goal that we have is becoming the most loving version of ourselves. Becoming the most gracious and good and dependable and productive and just version of ourselves. It's becoming uh, the wisest, most earnest, most virtuous and content and thankful, authentic self possible. And so this is something like who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to become the best version of their self? And that's exactly what Christian maturity means. It's this idea, Christian maturity means becoming the best version of yourself in Christ. And like any worthwhile goal, there are always obstacles, there's always adversity that's working against us as we move in on this goal. In normal times, you know, like when we're not all on lockdown, I think one of the main things that keeps us from this goal or keeps us from growing toward this end is the fact that we are just busy people. There's all kinds of things that we can be doing, all kinds of ways we can spend our time, whether that's at work or kids' activities or special hobbies or we just like to to veg out and we call that being busy. There's all kinds of good stuff and bad stuff that we can occupy ourselves with that, that, that can get in the way of growing to this end, which Paul and actually Jesus desires for us to grow, the goal that we've set out before us as Christians. And so with this busyness, uh, we underutilize the tools that God has provided for us to work toward that end. P- tools like prayer and our scripture, the Bible to help us navigate, to read, to study, community. Um, things like you know, extra biblical books, like good theology books that can help shape us and inform us in Christian living. And so we underutilize these tools that are meant to help us grow. But I don't think in our current situation with being on lockdown, busyness is the issue. A month ago, yes, right now, probably not, because a lot of us have found that all of our schedule has opened up. Um, This quarantine um, time has given us a lot of free time, a lot of downtime. We're not having to, some of us not having to go to work. Um, Some of us now have no extra things to fill ourselves, uh, uh, our calendars up with, and so we've got all kinds of time on our hands. But with this new quarantine life brings, uh, with it brings the freedom of calendar, but it also brings with it a set of new obstacles to achieving this goal of Christian maturity. The, the weekly rhythms that we had set out before us, uh, like missional community, the nights that we had set aside to gather together as a small intimate group of, of Christians uh, and, and seekers to, to pray together, together, study God's word together, eat together, share life together, that, that normal rhythm sort of uh, becomes, has not quite as much impact when we're doing it behind computer screens. Um, the, the, the rhythm of coming together on Sunday mornings and worshiping and having the liturgy and to be participating in a Sunday gathering, you know, that, that looks really different now. Like, I don't need to say any more about that or even, even meeting people for Fight Club or DNA groups. You know, we've, we've got these rhythms that we had set in place in normal times and now it becomes harder. There, there's all kinds of, of obstacles for living into those things and so instead we see things like boredom and we've got all kinds of opportunities to binge watch TV, the, the feeling of isolation, the, the house projects that we've been meaning to get to for the last, I don't know how long, that, that seem to be calling our names. So these things now become obstacles or, or maybe um, a hindrance toward us becoming the mature uh, in Christ. And so with that, with losing those rhythms that, that are set in place, we, we might lose momentum. We might lose that, that stride that we've set out before us. And, 
And what can happen if we're not mindful is we spiritually stall out. And, and, and maybe in some cases we, we backslide, we go backward in our faith. Now just because normal life is suspended, it doesn't mean the goal of Christian maturity is suspended as well. In fact, this time that we have right now as we're socially quarantined, it might be the chance for us to bring this aim that God has for us to mature in Christ back into focus. So I wanna present the question, how do we become uh, in better spiritual shape coming out of the quarantine than going into quarantine? How, how do we avoid stagnancy and backsliding? How do we become the best version of ourselves in Jesus Christ? Now, we're looking at verses six and seven uh, of Colossians today, and, and if you realize this, it, there's, there's not a detailed plan. There's not a, a specifically outlined 10-step program to help you take steps toward this direction. However, it does give us a general introduction, a how-to of how to grow. It shows us how we move toward maturity in a general sense. And so this is what Paul is going to give to us today. He's gonna to give us the starting point of growth, the underworkings of growth, and the primary indicator of growth. So that's where we're going today. So if you wanna start, open up your Bible with me, Colossians chapter two, and let's grow. Here we go, verse six. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So let's start with the starting point of growth. That makes a lot of sense here in verse six. The starting point, Paul tells us, is that we received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, now what does it mean to receive Jesus? Well, let, let's first take a look at what, or rather who, it is we're receiving. Who is Jesus? Who is Christ Jesus the Lord? And, and what the word therefore shows us as we come to verse six, it actually takes us back to all of the things that Paul has previously said in chapters one and the first five verses of chapter two. He's taking us back to this theological framework that he built that revolves all around the person and work of Jesus. He's, he's been telling us who Jesus is. Now, let me, if, if you're just joining with us as we're moving through this sermon series, Jesus Over Everything. Let me just catch you up to speed, or, or if you're tuning in, if you've been with us for the last 12 weeks, let me remind you of all the things that Paul has said in sort of a flyover. First, Paul tells us that Jesus has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of the beloved Son, that Jesus has given us redemption, that he has given us the forgiveness of sins. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is both creator and the sustainer of all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that he is the firstborn of creation, he is the firstborn of the new creation. Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. We're told that Jesus is actually dwelling within us, that he is Christ in us, the hope of glory, that Jesus is the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And Paul is doing, he's saying all of these things to assert to us, to, to tell us that Jesus, his place is preeminent, that he is supreme, that Jesus is over and above all things. And really, when you think about it, all of what Paul has said is summed up in Jesus' name, in his title. 
right? When, when, when Paul says in verse six, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now Shakespeare might say, well, what's in a name? In this case, there's a lot in a name. We see each one of these names or titles or, that, that are assigned to Jesus carries significance that points back to every single reality that Paul has already laid out. For example, Christ is the Greek word for the Jewish word Messiah. And so, so there's a sense where Jesus is this rescuer, God's anointed one who has come to carry out his rescue plan. That Jesus is actually a, a name that was given. Um, people refer to him as Jesus of Nazareth. So there's a sense where Jesus identifies within humanity, that, that he is a human representative, but also that name, Yeshua, means God saves. And we're told Isaiah's prophecy says that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so there's a sense where God incarnate, God with us now, and the word or the title Lord is God's Old Testament name, Yahweh. That, that this title is referring to the fact that Jesus is God. He is divine, and in that, Jesus being Lord, he is sovereign. He is the ruler of all things, the boss. To be a Christian means that you have received Jesus for who he is. It means that you've embraced the reality of, of this truth in a profound way. See, go, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Right? Having a Bible verse tattooed on your arm or wearing a cross necklace doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is if you can say, I realize I'm a sinner in need of rescue and Jesus has rescued me in the cross. See, we've put our faith in Jesus in a personal way. This is what, what Paul, when he looks at the Colossians in chapter one, verse four, he, he sees that their faith has been placed in Jesus. In Romans 10, Paul says those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. And so this is what it takes to be a Christian. This is the starting point for becoming the best you is that you have received the good news of what Jesus has done on your behalf at the cross. So this is the starting point. And I realize as I say that there might be some people who are offended by this. Like what, what do you mean this is the starting point? I, I can become a good person, I can become a better version of myself without the help of Jesus. After all, there are millions of self-help books and blogs that are out there circulating the world that could reinforce that idea. And they just offer these tips and tricks that can change us. Now, I'd like to submit to you that, that tips and tricks aren't sufficient in remedying this, this dysfunction that we have at the most core part of our lives. They, they might, these tips and tricks might be able to help us or change us in a superficial way, but thinking that tips and tricks are all that we need to become the best version of ourselves downplays the severity of our defect. In fact, I think this is one of Satan's greatest traps for humanity, to, to get us to think that, you know, I'm not that bad off, like I'm really not that bad, I, I, I don't need Jesus to, to improve myself. But the reality is, when we understand ourselves for who we are, we need drastic heart level change in order to move in real improvement. Which is why as we believe in Jesus, we put our faith in him, Jesus offers us a new heart, a new life. That, that when you trust in Jesus, you are born again. And this is what baptism symbolizes, that, that, 
as you go down into the water, you're buried with Christ. That, that your life is left behind, your life of sin is left behind, and as you're raised from the water, you are risen with him. That, that you now enter into a new life with Jesus, that you have a new heart that desires the things of God. Because of this new life that we receive in, in trusting in Jesus, right, that first step of, of, of receiving Jesus, with this new life we are told to now walk in this new life. Verse six continues on. It says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so now walk in him. Or the NIV uses a little bit different language and says, as you have found new life in Jesus, keep living in him. This is the imperative. Because you have found a new life in Christ, now live into that. Don't don't come to Jesus and then move on. Don't don't sidestep Jesus once you got what you want, that punch the, the ticket to heaven card. Stay vitally connected to him. Now, unfortunately, in my time in ministry, I've seen a lot of people come to faith. I've seen a lot of people profess faith in Jesus, receive him as their personal Lord and Savior, and be baptized. And, and whether it's a long duration of time or short duration of time, there, there's a lot of people who end up falling away from Jesus. They either get sucked back into the old life that they were living before, Maybe hard times have come and, and it's just really the pressure's on and rather than pushing them into Jesus, it pushes them away from Jesus. Or some, some people ha- have this sense of like, I've been spiritually awakened and, and Jesus is just like the starting point. There's something beyond Jesus that, that I'm hungry for and so you go into new age spirituality stuff and just really bizarre things. And when you think about it, if you, if you understand the scriptures, this shouldn't surprise us. Jesus actually told us, and I think it's Luke chapter eight, uh, he gives a parable of the four soils. Right? There, there, he's, and in this parable, he's telling us there's four different categories, there's four different types of people who when they hear the word of God preached, it's like a seed that lands on different types of soil. He says some, some people will hear the word of God preached and receive it. They'll receive the gospel, take it in like good soil. And, and the soil or the, the seed will take root and grow and, and it'll eventually mature into a plant. But there are others who hear, and, and maybe they'll be like the seed who was thrown on a path and birds came and stole it away, or, uh, or, or like the seed that's thrown on uh, rocky soil that isn't able to penetrate the ground and get planted, or, or it's like the seed that was planted amongst the weeds and eventually the cares of the world get choked out, right? So Jesus gives us a, a category for this, a paradigm for this reality that some will come and they'll hear and, and they'll, they'll profess faith, but then they'll fall away. And if this is your story, if you're sitting here and it's like, man, I haven't been in church in a while and, and here I am seeing this video feed, you know, that doesn't mean that if you've fallen away that you're gonna stay fallen away forever, right? God can change your heart. God can give your heart and turn it into good soil. And so if you're sitting here listening today and, and that resonates with you, this is an opportunity for you to turn back. Right, to, to, to hold fast to what you first believed. And the good news of the gospel is that, that Jesus is faithful even when we are unfaithful to him. Now if this is your story, just know this. Jesus wants more for your life than, than just punching the get to heaven card. Like Jesus has a big vision for all of our lives. Jesus wants to see every single Christian grow and mature in the gospel. 
right? To, to be, become people who are vibrantly living in our faith day in and day out in the everyday stuff and also in the grand and spectacular stuff. His goal for us is to make us more beautiful in Christ, to bring out the glory of Jesus that's been implanted in us so that the world can see. Now this is the lifelong process that the Bible calls sanctification, this process of being transformed from one degree of Christ-likeness to the next, right? From becoming you know, so much like Christ and now growing in that. So for Paul to say, as you've received him, so now walk in him, he, he's saying to us, now give yourself to the work of growth that God has begun in you. He's saying, live in a way where our efforts join with God's efforts for our beautification, for us becoming the best versions of ourselves in Christ. In fact, the next verse gives us three illustrations uh, of this underworking of growth, what God is doing in us. Take a look at, at verse seven. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Paul first uses an agrarian illustration. All of these illustrations come from different worlds. Trying to, trying to paint this picture of what growth looks like. First he says, be rooted in him. Now this, again, pulls from you know, plant life. Like you take a seed, you, you put it down in the ground, you water it, the roots grow. It's this below the surface work that happens. So, so set your roots down in him. What he's saying is take this gospel seed, take the gospel message and just marinate in it. Let it take root. Let it grow deep in your heart. And what this does, it invokes two ideas. First, there's this nature to feed it, to, to, to draw sustenance like a tree would draw sustenance from its roots. Draw from Christ. Take it from Jesus what you need. And secondly, there's this idea of stability, right? The, the reason why we had some storms last night, we got more storms coming um, this weekend, like the reason why every tree in the Quad Cities hasn't fallen over this past weekend is because the roots have gone down and sunk deep and pr provided for itself a, a base of stability. And, and the deeper the roots go, the more stable the tree is, right? The same is true for us, that as, our, as we are rooted in Christ, we are able to weather life's storms, whether that's whether that's um, heartbreak or, or, or losing our jobs or facing financial um, instability or, or, or even health concerns that might come up as we're navigating life right now, we're able to weather life storms when we're rooted in Christ. So the question is, how do I do this? How do I, how do I cultivate? How do I see to the developing of being rooted in Christ? And there, there are all kinds of means of grace that help us do this. First of all, prayer. Prayer is an excellent example of how we can be rooted in Christ, specifically in how we are nurtured by Jesus. To have not just time of prayer where we're going to God with a bunch of prayer requests and things that we need from him, but going to Jesus and just being present with him. And, and drawing from that intimacy that he offers us as we are unified with him. It might look like meditating on or studying God's word, right? Saturating our minds with the promises and provisions of God. 
Another way we, we get rooted in Christ is by rehearsing the gospel, by preaching the gospel to ourselves at all times, just being people who are able to remind ourselves of the truth of God, what he has done for us. Now, a lot of times, it's really hard to do this by ourselves, right? And, and I think that's maybe one thing that we're all experiencing right now in the social isolation. It's hard to live this by ourselves, and this is why we need community, another means of grace that God provides to help us get rooted in Christ. And so there's a sense, even if we borrow language from the previous week, right, when he says we're knit together in love, it's as if our, the roots of our lives are intertwined in a way as we go deeper and deeper into the gospel and Christ together that we become more stable with one another. And again, if you're looking for community, we've got a link that you can, can get connected to community. And, and if you're in a missional community, I would encourage you that if you're, you're facing some adversity where you're feeling the, the, the wind and the waves pushing up against you to, to reach out And this rootedness, as we're rooted in him, it allows for us to be built up in him. This is the second illustration that Paul uses, borrowing from construction, the construction world. It's like a skyscraper, which we're not present in Paul's day, but are in ours, where if you wanna build a skyscraper that goes up hundreds of feet in the air, you've gotta drill down deep, right? You've gotta get those pillars anchored deep into the ground so that way you can sustain what goes up vertically. The same thing is true in our lives, that, that to, to grow up, we have to grow down, to be rooted. And so in this, as we're rooted, there's this inside out, this bottom up growth that happens where what's hidden, what's under the soil, now becomes visible in the rest of our lives. Where we actually become, people can look in at our lives and see, hey, you actually kind of remind me of Jesus in a sense. There are parts of your lives that really point me to Jesus and what he's done. And, and really, that's what God is trying to do us, trying to make little Jesuses that are all throughout our city that are pointing people to the true Jesus, to the true Savior, to this true Messiah. And this word of, of being built up is in perfect present tense, meaning that it's happened and it's ongoing. It's happening and it continues to happen. And so as we go deeper into the gospel, we become more and more transformed in the gospel. These good works that were prepared for us before we were even saved become visible, that we demonstrate what our Christ-likeness looks like. So we're doing justice and mercy. We're caring for the sick. We're being generous. We're being compassionate. This is what it looks like to be built up, the visible works, the things that are in our life where people can look in and say, man, that looks like change to me. And the third illustration Paul uses borrows from the legal field. And, and this is a little bit more difficult to see because the way it's translated in English doesn't necessarily line up as it ought to. But when he says to be established in the faith, th this is kind of a, a legal term to, to, be, um, to make a way of, that, that you're legally established in a certain order. Right, so for example, if you're established as husband and wife legally, right, you carry on that way. It's not just, you know, you have a wedding and then you go back as, you know, life is normal. You, you have the wedding, you're established as husband and wife, and then you carry on as husband and wife for the rest of your life. And so in the same sense that you're established in Christ, that, that you have this point where you receive Jesus, but then you can carry on, you continue with him. In other words, there's a longevity, there's con continuity from the time that you accepted him and the rest of your life. And so it's in this sense where the course is set, right, to, to, to receive Jesus and then to walk with Jesus. 
And so if you're sitting at home, you think, all right, well, I guess I, I better get busy here. here. Here's what I gotta do to grow. Um, it, it's not really like that. Because what's interesting about these illustrations is that all of these verbs are passive. None of these are specifically are doing. Ultimately, it is God who's doing them to us and for us and in us. This is God's work of, of rooting us and building us up and establishing us in Christ. Which means that even if you don't keep the course, Jesus is keeping you. This is the main difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is based on what I do, right? Uh, it's based on the good works that I do or, or this, the way that I position myself in order to become deserving or, or to move in closer to God. But Christianity is based on what God has done for me to bring him near. See, religion says, do this and then you'll be connected to God. Religion says, prove yourself, right? But you have to take the initiative first. But Christianity says that, that you have already been moved toward, that Jesus has already connected himself to you by supplying the faith for you to believe. Right, so Jesus is the one who's doing all this stuff. So Paul says, even though he's giving us the directive to walk in him, he's saying that God is the one who is enabling, equipping, and blessing that work. In fact, if you go back to a couple weeks ago when, when Paul talks about his, it's Christ's energy working through him, that, that's exactly what's going on. That God is the one that's enabling, equipping, and blessing this work of growth to happen. Now, Augustine, he, un, he understood this. He had this prayer, he says, O Lord, give what you command and command what you will. Command what you will Give what you command. What God commands, he supplies. Right? This, that's the good news for us. We don't have to go and muster up this extra effort. God is supplying what we need to move toward him in growth to become the best versions of ourselves. And so there's this givenness that we experience in the Christian life, both in salvation and in sanctification because we're told that salvation is a gift from God. It's not something that we do, we can't position ourselves to make ourselves more deserving, it's a gift of grace. So both in rescuing us and in beautifying us, making us the best version of ourselves, God is at work, it is a gift of grace. And the good news is, you don't have to elevate yourself to the status of deserving in order to obtain this gift, right? You, you don't have to you don't have to cut in line, you don't have to do anything. It's a free gift that's available to anybody. So for those of you who might be sitting and watching who haven't yet put your faith in Jesus, this is available to you now, that you can be saved from your sin, transferred from the domain of darkness and into God's eternal kingdom of light. To those who have already put your faith in Jesus and want to grow and to become the best version of yourself in him, it's a gift. Jesus is working right now to make the best version of you. He's inviting you into that work. And like any gift, it, it means that it's meant to be received, right? That's what you do with gifts. You, you give somebody a gift, they, they take it, they receive it, they embrace it. And so we do the same. We, we take this gift, we embrace it, we savor it, we enjoy it. Now that's why the primary indicator of growth that verse seven lays out is that we would abound in thanksgiving, Right, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
Christians ought to be the most thankful people on the planet, right? Because we have the greatest gift in the world. It's, and and it's, it's available to us regardless of our circumstances, regardless if we're facing coronavirus or whatever it might be, it's available to us right now so that even in the midst of sorrow, we can rejoice, we can give thanks. Our thanksgiving abounds because God's grace abounds. Because we have everything we need in this gift of Jesus. In him, there's no wanting. We are satisfied in him. See, this is why we never will graduate from the gospel. You realize that? The, the, more, the more we grow, the more we need Jesus. The, the longer our life goes on, the more our realization of our need for Jesus deepens. Right, so as the Christian life goes deeper and deeper into the gospel, there's never a point where we move past the gospel. There's never a point where we stop needing gospel. We move deeper and deeper into Jesus. And we realize this union that we have with Jesus, that we realize that we are in him, that he's in us. And the more we cling to Jesus, the more we walk in Jesus, the more he transforms us into his own image the more he makes us into the best versions of ourselves. So brothers and sisters, let us walk in him now. Let us live into this new life that Jesus offers us, that he gives us by his grace. Let us remember the gift that we have received in Christ and joyfully grow in him. Let's give ourselves to the work that God is currently doing and and partner ourselves up with this to be rooted and built up and established in him. And in doing so, we might grow into our best self in Christ. That we, we might more and more take on the image of Jesus and God sends us out into the city that we might transform our cities. Because our city doesn't need more religious people telling them to buck up and and buckle down, pull themselves up by the bootstraps. What people need to know is that there's a God out there who loves them and has provided every single thing that they need for life and godliness. And so let us grow to this end. Let us grow in Christ for our good and for his glory. Amen. Father, we thank you that you have provided everything that we need in Jesus to grow. That your desire is not just a a small vision of getting us into heaven, but to see us flourish here on earth as we will in heaven. To see us embody the glory of Christ in our homes and neighborhoods, workplaces, Lord, that this would be a testament of the power of Christ at work in our lives. And God, we ask that you would do this work in the church so that when we do come back together, we would be stronger than ever. That that we would not have backslid, that we had not lost Uh, momentum but we have together been striving toward Christ that we've been working toward this end as you are working in that end toward uh, toward that end within us so we thank you Jesus for this work we thank you for this gift we open our hands and receive it full of thanksgiving we praise you Jesus for your glorious work and your glorious name amen